Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to come together today to spread the, the good news, the gospel, and, and all of the wonderful things that God has available to his followers. And we hope to speak about a few of those this morning and a little history of some of the places that are special to a lot of Catholics in Acadiana. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm super excited today to have uh, Mr. John T. Landry as a guest. He's an Impressionist. He's an artist. He's also a trustee at uh, St. Teresa Church in Abbeville, also very involved in the retreat houses. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Todd. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and raised in Crowley. I uh, went to St. Michael's, which is now Notre Dame, graduated in 1963. In those days, taught by the religious nuns at the time. And uh, came to UL, got a degree in 1968. Uh, met a girl from Abbeville whose dad was an automobile dealer, like yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had three daughters and no sons, wound up in Abbeville uh, marrying his middle daughter bought him out in 1979 and sold my franchises in 1991. I had a son who was, when he was 10 years old, said he wanted to be a dentist and not a car dealer. Wise choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was on Charity Street in Abbeville, of course, with the advent of the bypass. General Motors was pushing me to go up on 167, Highway 167. So I decided to make a career change, sold the franchises in 91, went to UL, spent 20 years there as director of development handling all the major gifts with Dr. Audemars, raising money for the foundation, and retired from there about 10, 11 years ago. Started painting after that just as a a hobby besides my hunting and fishing. Uh, We have so much in common, and it's just amazing to hear. I think you said that your father-in-law had three daughters. Correct. And I have three daughters, and, you know, some things never change. The factory's always wanting you to move, you know, so that's just ironic I hear that. Uh, But you and I have really a whole, whole lot in common. I think we share a love for the Lord. I have a long-term marriage. Not as long. Tell them how long you've been married. We were married uh, 53 years on December 17th. That's so awesome. And I'm 53 years old, so that's that's a statement there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's that's amazing. And and then the love of hunting and fishing. And and I think, you know, you can speak to this, uh, the love of Cajun Catholics and who we are you, you, I think you seem to be the epitome of that. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and uh, how, how you feel about Cajun Catholics and what that means and, and how that wraps into your artistry. Well, there's so many things that, uh, you know, the Lord keeps putting things in front of you and tapping you on the shoulder. And I tell people there are no coincidences. They're, they're God instances. But you have to be alert and aware to those instances and, and answer the call. And, and I, I guess our lives are full of those crossroads where you – do you accept it, or do you just ignore it and move on? And so it makes life interesting. Your parents and, 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 and great, you know, uh, parents, your, God, your, your uh, grandfather and whatnot, who was, uh, what was the faith life like in your house growing up? Well, I grew up on Fifth Street in Crowley, which is the, the street that runs directly to St. Michael's Catholic Church. So I, I can remember distinctly as a, about a six-year-old tapping on the screen door at the rectory at St. Michael's, and Bishop Maurice Schechtsnader was the, I guess he was auxiliary bishop then, opened that creaking screen door. And it looked like God came to the door, and I had to get his permission to become an altar boy. And so I spent a lot of time there. I'd ride my bicycle straight down Fifth Street, 
uh, to that in the dark in the morning to serve mass, and uh, I guess for 13 years because I must have started <laughs> right out of kindergarten, and so the priests and the nuns were a big part of my life growing up, and my mother and father were Catholic, and you know everybody in our family was Catholic. Mm-hmm. We know no other. That's right. And and do you think that their parents as well deeply Catholic always? I would think so. I only knew one of my grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather from he was from Karen Crow. He could not speak a word of English, and I could not speak a word of French. And they would rotate him around to the different. My my, my mother had two sisters and a brother, and uh, they'd he'd spend you know six months at each house. And sadly, I couldn't even communicate with him. Mm-hmm. He would sit in the living room, and he was up in his late eighties, and so. That's the only grandparent I knew, mm-hmm. and I couldn't communicate with him. I like to say that Cajun Catholics is a, is a mix of, of faith and culture. And, um, you know, you're seeing that. You're the epitome of that because, I mean, you were telling me how the good Lord kind of put on your heart to, to be an artist. And you, you have a duck camp in Pecan Island, I believe. You can tell us a little bit about how, I mean, I'm sure the Lord shows up there often. Yeah, he does in, in, the, in the sunrises and the sunsets. You know, my, when I started painting, did a lot of landscapes and there was a lot of orange and my wife kept complaining she said you use too much orange <laughs> i said babe you haven't been in the duck blind in the morning when that sun comes up it's just amazing it how is. much orange is in that but i was sitting on my camp deck after i retired from ul probably 66 years of age never even took art appreciation in my life and i was watching this beautiful sunset and something just clicked and said i want to paint that and so i sought out a teacher Pat Venable, who was coming to Abbeville on Tuesdays, and she would teach these little ladies, and I, w- I went to see what they were doing, and they were all painting the same little egret for about six months at a time, and I said, no, that's that's not what I want. So I asked her to come to my home, and she taught me, uh, gave me lessons for a while, and I kind of went on my own. That's incredible, and uh, you know, I, I talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you do paint. I, I know that he's got this beautiful cross and, and picture of Christ on his business card, and I think you can see a lot of his art at Crossroads and purchase it as well. But tell us a little bit about some of the some of the pictures we'll see. Well, uh, yes, Crossroads invited me to come uh, display and, and sell on a consignment basis, so a percentage of the art goes to the uh, the uh, Catholic charities. Catholic charities of Acadiana. Yeah. And so I have the Impressionist Crucifix. I have what's called uh, uh, the uh, Angelic Mother and Children, which is uh, Impressionist work with a mother and they're all angelic figures. I have a, uh, a nun that's been a very popular piece. And uh, I have a nativity scene, which is, which is so well. So, you know, my art is very eclectic. There, everything from landscapes to redfish to religious art. So, Beautiful. Yeah. Some duck pictures? No duck pictures no duck yet. No, well, maybe in the decoys. Ah, you know, okay, but. okay. All right, so tell me, um, you know, it sounds like you're a cradle Catholic for sure, but was there a point in your life where there was a conversion moment? Well, I won't say conversion, but uh, I started going, I was invited. A lot of these things start with invitations, and that's why it's so important that we reach out to our fellow Christians and Catholics. A man, uh, a good friend of my father-in-law, Mr. Harold Sellers, in 1970 invited me to go to our Lady of the Oaks Retreat House in Grand Coteau. And I had never met a Jesuit, didn't really know what they were. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was one of those moments that really uh, impacted me. Uh, that was 1970, so I'll make my 50th retreat this coming July mm. at, at, at Our Lady of the Oaks. But what struck me is, uh, no offense to some of the well-intentioned nuns back in the 60s and late 50s, but I kind of grew up with this impression that God was looking over me with a 
fly swatter waiting to catch me <laughs> doing something wrong. And so when I got to the first retreat in 1970, these Jesuits were kind of preaching a different tune. It was like, God's pulling for you to make it. You know, he loves you no matter what you do. And so that, that kind of resonated with me, and I've been there ever since. I was on the board at one time and captain of the uh, Abbeville men's group for 20, 25 years. So it's a big part of my, my life. What time of year do you guys go? The third weekend in July okay. every year. It's beautiful. And I've done some man races. I've never been to Grand Coteau, and I hear it's just so beautiful. And my, my uh, son-in-law just recently made it in Grand Coteau. I went to, well, when I was, I always heard about Manresa, but I, since I was recruiting for Our Lady of the Oaks in Grand Coteau, I felt like I'd be a traitor if I yeah, went to. Yeah, sleeping with the enemy. Right. So when I turned over the captain's job to another uh, Tony Moe in Abbeville, I thought, you know, I'm going to go check out Manresa. But uh, it wasn't, to me, it was, Grand Coteau is my home. Yeah, so I bet. I, uh, I, I, I punched it off my bucket list. but. That's uh, good. I'm back in Grand Coteau. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, so I know that John and his wife are Eucharistic ministers in, at St. Teresa's and just got a lot going on. I know the Lord's touched him and he's given so much back to his church community and all that. But uh, I would imagine you've been Eucharistic minister for quite a while. Quite a while, both my wife and I. And then, and then they've asked me to be one of the two trustees at the church. And, and then recently I was appointed as president of the Christian Service Center in, in Abbeville, which does mm-hmm. tremendous amount of work with the poor and disadvantaged so that's that's been very rewarding as well as a prison ministry you know that i read in the bulletin one day that they were looking for volunteers to do a prison ministry and my first reaction was well oh, that's not me but that tap on the shoulder kept tapping and uh, so i checked it out and i uh, went to the sheriff's office had to be fingerprinted and sign a release that uh it's kind of scary but it's, it's been an unbelievable uh, experience over there. You know, uh, I've even in, injected and added music. I was driving, driving down the road one day listening to uh, some Christian radio station, and I heard this song entitled, No Matter What. I pulled off the road. It was so powerful. I wrote it down because I don't have five songs on my iPhone. <laughs> well, I downloaded it, printed the lyrics, and I decided I'd try this when I went to the prison. I told them about my experience with the song i told them i'd printed the lyrics and i was going to hand out the lyrics after the communion service but i wanted to play the song for them and not only that i asked them to close their eyes and put their head on the table certainly thinking this ain't going to happen but every head went down i played the song and when their heads came up many of them were crying Mm. and so i now make it a practice to incorporate music as part of the the uh, prison ministry and it's been really powerful really powerful it is so powerful you know i think a lot of people listen to k-love and around the lafayette area i know i do and you know it's 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 a fine line because it's christian it's not necessarily catholic but you know um music's such a big part of our liturgy and and you get a lot of that modern music my wife only wants to go to mass wherever there's going to be that that good christian music you know (laughs) it's not the old stuff we don't want to sing the old stuff but um that it's it's so important we i had a um Father Pelichet, uh, what's up, Father Pelichet? Shout out to you. We we had a retreat for some of the UL kids at our duck camp, and uh, we did Adoration Hour. And he's old school. He doesn't really like music uh, being played during Adoration. But I asked him, I just thought that they did want music. And we put on some Christian music and Be Thou My Vision and a few other great songs. And and uh, I guess he was embarrassed, or not necessarily embarrassed, but you know, a little shy about telling me, hey, no music. You know, we were at my camp, but we, we played it, and he told another priest, you know, I kind of like the music, you know. <laughs> you converted him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. I didn't realize I was breaking any rules there. but uh, And we did a lot of silence as well to balance, you know. 
but uh yeah jesus is it's so powerful and adoration is a big part of my life yeah we you know, do uh, we have a we, i think we're the only, one of the few churches in probably in the diocese that has a 24 7 adoration hour mm-hmm. in st Teresa, and we have people from st mary magdalene and, and all over that come as well as the retreat house you know we have some non-catholics that make retreat mm-hmm. i mean religiously every year come from baton rouge in fact to join us which uh, which says nice. a lot you know Again, today you're listening to the Cajun Catholics radio show, and um, our guest today is Mr. John T. Landry from Abbeville, a great Cajun Catholic, and uh, his wife as well. I'll speak for her. You know, I'm sure she's the backbone of, of his spiritual life, just like my wife. And, you know, what's a typical day look like for you, John, in, uh, in your prayer life? What's that look like? Well, we both get up early. My wife, uh, uh, she has a, a Come Lord Jesus uh, women's prayer group at, at, uh, in our home, in our dining room every Wednesday morning. She's been doing that for years which gives me uh, an excuse to leave on Tuesday afternoons to go to my camp and spend the night because they don't want me around the house on Wednesday morning. So that's a win-win deal. Win-win. <laughs> I can relate to that. But, yeah, she's a, she's a saint. People ask, how, man, what's the secret to being married 53 years? I said, it's very easy. You marry a tolerant woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's worked out for us very well. But we both get up early. Uh, she, she has her, her prayer routine in the morning, as I do. I'm going to ask you, what do you call early? Because good Cajun Catholics, man, that, that's a very Well, degree. I'm up usually 4.30, 5 oh, o'clock. Oh, Lord have mercy. I go to the health club. I'll, I'll get my news fixed with my headset on the treadmill. and then. Uh, but I usually say my rosary before I get up. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get up at 4, 4.30, I'll, I'll sleep with a rosary, and I'll just say my rosary silently before I get up. And then she has a, a whole whole routine. She, she eclipses me in the morning prayer life. She's, a, she's something else. I mean, lucky. with with you describing all the things you're doing, and she's eclipsing you. That's strong. That's a strong <laughs> statement right there. You know, these Cajun Catholics are getting up early. I'm so proud uh, of of being able to feature. It's so humbling for me to being able to feature our great people from our community and our our great faith. And you epitomize that. I've said that a few times. Uh, don't mean to be redundant, but. Uh, you know, John and I really never met before today. We have some mutual friends. I'll shout out to Mike Mayer, a, a gentleman that was a professor at UL and that I duck hunt with. And, um, you know, I'm so happy that we were we were able to meet each other. And uh, you're a, a, a real um, inspiration to all of us, you know. And it's in the simple people say, oh, you know, here's a man that's committed to his marriage and his community and his church. And, you know, is that really a, a big deal? He's an artist and you do a lot of uh, things that, are, that people do daily. But that's the epitome of our of our faith and you know you represent everyone so well well i'm no saint uh, uh, uh i wouldn't <laughs> I hear you. i'm feeling a little uncomfortable with all the activity <laughs> let's just say i'm act, i'm active in my faith that doesn't mean uh, I'm, I'm i'm infallible why do you feel like you're active in your faith what is it that pushes you i don't know you know it's just a it's a strange thing that's that's happened to me uh it's, it's like i've become more aware mm-hmm. and, and i think my wife's been pushing me too since i retired you need to do you know you need to do something go get a, another job uh, do fundraising for the church and so you know a couple of days ago i met with joseph summers that they just uh, they're creating a i was with him two days ago unbelievable I place went to see it you it's went to see it uh, yeah. the, the retreat center the yes, catholic sir. retreat center still, still water. water yeah and uh i sent an email out last night some generous person donated a a hundred thousand dollar motorhome that they, that yeah to sell to put towards the the uh the, the retreat center and uh, I saw some folks from STM that were there they're going to do a football retreat out there and so it's it's a wonderful project that I'm going to help them with with what you know fundraising expertise I have to help them raise some Amen. funds and 
Same. I will too. You know, I you was know? there two days ago, and Joseph and I went to lunch. And Joseph's an amazing he guy, is, as is his I father. Mean, you know, and, oh yeah. I mean, he's got five kids and one on the way, and they're gonna pick up their whole family and go go be missionaries in India. Yeah. And we ate lunch at Chuck's, and we're, we're like having this conversation. And I said, why? You know, why would you take this whole family with an infant as well? He says, well, you know, there's a million people over there that don't know Jesus. That's right. Wow. I mean, it's so humbling. I feel so small after being in his presence. <laughs> but, you know, that retreat center, I would ask all of our listeners out there, go see it. I mean, and support it. Um, it's phenomenal. I mean, we do uh, acts retreat at the Baptist Center, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, um, we need a Catholic retreat center, and this is the, this is it. This thing is awesome. Absolutely. They're going to be reaching out to, uh, you know, lead donors to try to uh, – jumpstart this thing they've already purchased the property which is a big deal mm -hmm. and now they want to renovate buildings for classrooms and event centers and bunk rooms and what have you so it's uh it's amazing what they're doing yeah so you know if you are a cajun catholic or you have children that are cajun catholics this is a legacy of opportunity for you to give and give forever because this is something that will have legs you know they want to build a nice adoration chapel and it's just beautiful so we need to all support that uh, so, John, again, uh, tell me, how about, uh, do you, are you in, reading a lot of Bible? Do you, is that something that you do on a daily basis or not so much? Uh, you know, is there anything in, in, in particular that you're reading that, that has touched you lately? Well, I'm not, I won't say I open the Bible and read it. My, my wife, you know, like she does, she, mm -hmm. with, the, with the Bible study, with the Come Lord Jesus program, that's exactly what they do. My, my, my niche, I guess, is, is, uh, is forwarding what I call wisdom. I'll find... Bible verses or, or Christian or Catholic wisdom, I call it. Mm -hmm. And I guess I have 1,400 contacts on my, on my iPhone, and I do a lot of blind, blind emails to people that I've met, and you know, not just good friends, but you know, hundreds of people, and try to share that wisdom that I, I call wisdom with others. Mm -hmm. Just like last night, I sent out the email on the motorhome for the uh, retreat center to people I thought might be able to share it because it only takes one person to buy that motorhome. And whether it's eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars, that Joseph Summers and that group could use that money. So mm -hmm. networking, I think, has been my, my forte and connecting dots. And uh, a lot of that comes with fundraising, but I think spreading the word like that uh, maybe one good passage at a time has kind of been my my thing. I have a daughter that's um, eminently going to be married. By the time this show airs, she will be married. And uh, for whatever reason, God put this, the book of Tobit, on my mind. I don't know if you've ever read that my book. My middle name is Tobias. <laughs> there you go. That's Holy Spirit. The, that's what the T is for. Well, with your uh, <laughs> um, your artistry, and we talked about redfish and fish in particular, I don't know if you know that story, but... It's pretty good, and I got wrapped up into it just the other night. And for those of you I would challenge you, go read Tobit. It's a short book. It, you can read it in 20, 30 minutes. And it's about a gentleman that really uh, was a very um, devout man, much like yourself, and um, very successful in his business, and, and, um, and then had a son. And his son goes on to try and find a proper wife, and, but he's, it's a long story. But what it involves that's really cool where it relates to you is a fish swims along and tries to – uh, his son is named Tobiah, and he, try, he tries to eat him. He tries to eat his foot. He went to bathe in a river, and the angel Raphael comes alongside of him, and he um, instructs him to don't kill the fish, you know, grab it, let's, let's bring it onto the shore, and we're going to gut the fish, and we're going to use it for all these useful purposes. 
and he ends up uh, processing the fish and he puts it in jars and he uses some of the fish guts to to uh, heal his father went blind with cataracts and he, he uses that to heal his father then he uses the rest of it to sort of take the, this satanic hex off of his fiance who had married seven times and the bride had died seven times in the bridal chamber and and all, and all of that works and it's just a beautiful story about two families that want want the best for their kids and end up it's and it ends well it's, it's some of the one of those stories that has a great ending you know everybody lives happily ever after mm, wow. <laughs> that's what god put on my heart <laughs> so anyway uh <clears throat> so again um uh so you you're let's talk more about prison ministry so is that where do you go where is the prison it's right there in well, I, we sure would like to have more priests involved. Mm-hmm. Ironically, uh, it's kind of a strange story. You know, a lot of these prisoners are, are, are desperate, many of them probably not Catholic, Christian, or uh, in the state of grace, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I always thought there, but for the grace of God, go I. So I don't go there trying to tell them, you know, you need to be like me. Uh, I, just, you know, I think that song, No Matter What, resonated so well because no matter what you've done, you know. So my whole thing is try to, keep them with hope and that the Lord is there, you know, no matter what their circumstances are. I'll tell you a real interesting story. Uh, that Come Lord Jesus group that my wife has is six or seven women. Well, my prison ministry is on a Thursday, so Wednesday afternoon when I get back from my camp, my wife hands me this piece of paper and she said, babe, there's four women in our Come Lord Jesus group that have this lady that works for them. Her son is in prison, in Vermillion Parish Prison. Could you, next time you go, tell him that, you know, their mother, his mother's praying for them and you just want to console him, whatever. I said, babe, I'd love to, but one of the rules is I can't even make eye contact with the prison. I'm not supposed to speak with any of the prisons. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do it, but no, I can't. And the, the, the kid's name was Nicholas Willis. I'll never forget. That's not a common name. I'll show up the next morning. They take me back in the bowels. always walk me back through six or seven locked doors with these big keys. And there's always, the deputy never leaves me. And there's always a trustee in there that has my little altar set up. You know, I don't even know his name. And he, I've been seeing this kid for two years. Well, that day, the deputy walks me in the bowels of the jail. I walk in, and the deputy leaves me alone. And there's a, a stranger in there. So I walk up to him. It's me and him. I said, hi, John T. Landry. He says, my name is Nicholas Willis. Still gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Well, the trustees, I mean, the, the guard's gone, so I have this conversation. I tell him the story. I said, son, you don't think your mother's praying for you? And I tell him the story. My wife gave me your name yesterday afternoon. Well, that's the last, first, last, and only time I ever saw Nicholas Willis. Mm. Next, next month I go there, it's another guy that I, I don't know his name and never will. So just think about that. That is really a God instance. I mean, God, it's like, it knocked me back. It knocked me back when I walked in there and he said his name that I told my wife I couldn't seek seek him out. Yeah, we call that a ping, you know, from Kersia. That's, wow. that's, that's the word that we use, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty strong. Yeah. A God wink, <laughs> you know. Uh, got my attention, I'll prom- and I know it got his, you know. John, is there a... Uh, either a Bible story or a character in the Bible that, that, that you most relate to? Well, I'll tell you the one that kind of scares me the most is uh, Job. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I've been pretty blessed over, over my lifetime. And I think about Job being as blessed as he was. You know, I've, 
I've done pretty well in life thanks thanks to a lot of you know not my own talents but a lot of uh, fort, good fortune and I've had good health and everything that Job had and yet I see what he went through and I often wonder how I would react to that <laughs> if all of that went away how strong my faith would be I think that that one jumps out of the Bible at me and uh, hopefully I don't have, I never have to find out but that's uh, that's a really poignant story I think that, that got my attention I think about that a lot too and I, I totally relate to that story and when I when I go on retreat and I, I'm in that little room with a mattress and a little desk I think to myself sometimes this is all I need you know I can live the rest of my life in this little room and probably be very happy but then all the the lure of the world and everything else that goes with it I I, I, I snap out of it you know like ah oh, I need LSU football and <laughs> that's right. uh, you know I need all these other things that yeah. uh, hunting and fishing and, that's right you know uh but it's 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 there's something in the simplicity of retreat and the quiet is where you're we're closest to god well getting back to that I, if we have enough yeah, few minutes ahead. left uh getting back to our lady of the old retreat house you know and the jesuits uh, i kind of wrote these numbers down because uh, they mean they're very mm-hmm. meaningful st charles college in grand coteau and, and i'm saying this because a lot of our listeners probably have been there but maybe they haven't to me grand coteau louisiana and especially the jesuit entities there, Academy of the Sacred Heart, uh, are really special. The Jesuits started St. Charles College, where the Jesuits do their undergraduate work, so to speak. They, they built that and started that in 1837. Now, that's a long time, long ago. time ago. You know, when you, we think about when some of our Catholic churches in our diocese were built, that's a long time ago. Of course, I lay the Oaks Retreat House was established in 1938, you know, like 101 years later. But the, uh, one of the most interesting stories is the miracle at Grand Coteau that happened at what is now the Academy of the Sacred Heart was the, uh, the miracle that led to the canonization of St. John Berkman. In 1866, there was a, uh, I call her a novice, but I think she's called a postulant. She was a, a lady studying to be a nun, and she got deathly ill, and the doctors had given up all hope. And so uh, they basically she couldn't even put a, drop of water on her tongue that's how sick she was and so they gave her the last sacrament she was up in the in the the uh, infirmary upstairs and they had pretty much uh, written her office she would die during the night but the nuns had these little prayer cards of saint john berkman who had two miracles confirmed to his credit and needed the third one to be canonized so they gave her the prayer card of berkman and they were praying to him and just put it on her chest and they left her for the night and the next morning they walk in, she's, she's completely well. She's sitting up in bed, she's hungry, and they ask her what happened. She said, well, she also, her name was Mary Wilson, she thought she was gonna die during the night, but she prayed to John Bertman that if, if, if you know, he could basically speak to God and, and save her from death, that uh, she'd, she'd appreciate it. Well, he shows up at her bedside that night and told her, and she asked, are you John Bertman? He said, yes, I am. God has sent me to tell you that, that you, will, you will not die t- tonight. And, she, and so the doctors showed up the next day, and they're all amazed, and they have these big written document, document, documents certifying that it had to be a miracle because there's no way there was a human, uh, human cure uh, that was going to happen. And so it may be still to this day the only confirmed miracle that led to the canonization of a saint in the United States. And so that alone makes Grand Cato a pretty yeah. special 
spot, you know. Well, definitely look into Grand Coteau. I, I need to go there. I haven't been. I was ashamed to say, but uh, it's just been such an honor and pleasure to have Mr. John T. Landry on the show. Thank you for being here, and uh, definitely support Our Lady of the Oaks out there. And uh, and again, support his art. Go check it out at Crossroads Bookstore. Uh, he's got some beautiful pieces out there, and um, they've been made with a lot of love. I, I'm sure. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, John, for being on the show. And again, uh, until next time, this has been the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Engage the Cajun Catholic in you. God bless. Mm-hmm.